This is a remote dating podcast. Welcome to season one, Be My Quarantine. We'll be sharing outlandish dating stories from people who are locked down in love. We'll connect people struggling to find romance in quarantine with people who've been doing long distance and virtual dating long before lockdown, digital nomads. We'll cover everything from finding love over a video call to flying 6,000 miles to see someone and getting ghosted. Yes, one of us really did that. Can you guess which one? Listen until the end to hear the full story. This is episode one of Dating Abroad, a podcast about unconventional dating stories. I'm Ellie. And I'm Kayla. We're your hosts for Dating Abroad. This episode is about the pros and cons of being single in lockdown. But first, let's get to know each other. Ellie, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, if you haven't already guessed, I am a Brit. Uh, I'm single. I'm a freelance journalist. And I've been a digital nomad in various forms uh, for the last eight years. So for the first six of those, I worked remotely and lived in various places around the world. Um, And for the last two, I've gone a bit more extreme and I have been traveling the world with no fixed address. Well, I mean, until now. Uh, I've recently become obsessed with South Korean dramas. They are like super cheesy and romantic and 100% give you an unrealistic version of love. Like I'm talking men taking a bullet for girls, then waiting beside their bedside for weeks until they regain consciousness. Uh, Lots of long, meaningful gazes and no physical contact. So it's actually kind of corona appropriate. That sounds Um, amazing. I have never seen a South Korean drama. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, get on it. You will never go back. (laughs) Um, What else? Oh, I'm a bookworm. That is probably my biggest thing. Uh, And a lover of terrible puns, especially when related to books. Uh, This is probably going to become evident (laughs) as this episode continues. Yeah, we've created some pretty bomb segment names for you guys. So I'm so excited. (laughs) So in order, in like honor of those get to know you games that people play where they ask terrible questions and put you on the spot, we created a get to know you game and we gave each other this assignment and this is the first time we're hearing it so you're going to hear it in real time. Ellie, tell us your most on-brand childhood story. Well I've actually got two but one of them's really short Um, but the main one is probably just how much of a writing geek and reading geek I am. Um, I was reading Jane Eyre when I was about eight or nine years old and I was upstairs reading, my parents were downstairs having a dinner party Um, And I just got to this word that I couldn't understand. So little like nine-year-old Ellie went downstairs, went into the middle of this dinner party. And I was like, mom, what does lugubrious mean? (laughs) It must have been like the most hilarious thing for like an early 30s something dinner party. Um, But my other really short story 
same age uh, was when I made my first solo trip to see my friend in Spain. My mum just put me on a plane as an unaccompanied minor and sent me off. And I've literally never stopped traveling since then. <laughs> that's so exciting. And that's so nice that your parents were so supportive of your solo travel. Yeah, they still kind of, you know, wander about me a bit, but they're pretty <laughs> understanding. <laughs> yeah, I think my parents still don't want me to go on an airplane alone, but oh, legally that's... they can't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> I love that Jane Eyre story. That sounds like a scene out of The Sound of Music. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's so ridiculous. I was such a geek. <laughs> and then, so then our second assignment, which is related to the first, is based off of your most on-brand childhood story. What will your catchphrase be for the duration of this podcast? So, yeah, I was thinking about this, and actually it's going to come from another book, one of my favorites that I've read recently, which is Cheryl Strayed's Wild Oh my God, anyone, if you haven't read it, you have to read it. It's one of the best books ever. But she has basically brought back the word preposterous. She uses it all the time and I'd forgotten what an amazing word it was. Uh, and it's very British, so I'm going to have that one. <laughs> I have read Wild many times and I never, the use of the word preposterous never stood out to me, but I really love that for you as your very British catchphrase. Yeah. You'll have to reread it. You'll notice it so much. <laughs> okay, but enough about me. Kayla, tell me a little bit about yourself. So I am from Canada, which you may or may not have been able to guess from my accent. And I have been a digital nomad for almost eight years now. I started out working online, doing social media marketing, and now I am a writer. So I just write essays, articles, books, stories. Something that I have really been missing during lockdown is all-you-can-eat sushi because I flew back from Vietnam to Toronto for lockdown. And those of you from Toronto or the area know that all-you-can-eat sushi is a pretty big deal. So it really sucks to be all the way back here and not be able to get the sushi. And the other thing I'm really missing, and this one sounds kind of strange, I'm missing <laughs> cobblestone streets. Okay. I just want to wander around. Barcelona or Athens and like try not to twist my ankle and find a cute cafe and just while away an afternoon doing nothing but like nothing in a cool place outdoor instead of just in my apartment alone. Do you ever attempt the cobblestone streets with heels? I don't usually ever travel with heels so I don't know that I have. Yeah I always think it's crazy when people do that. I'm flip-flops all the way for me. Yeah, same. Even flip-flops. I will definitely trip over myself. I need to be like strapped in to sandals or shoes <laughs> to not trip over my own feet. I love that. No, it's like okay. I'm out of a rom-com. <laughs> so, um, so I revealed my embarrassing childhood story. So what is yours? So mine, I don't think is embarrassing at all. I think it's on brand and I love my current brand. So <laughs> my childhood story is how I learned to read at around, I think I was around three, maybe four, but I think three. And I learned to read out of spite because <laughs> I was at the doctor's office with my mom and my brother 
and I wanted to play with the toys in the waiting room with my brother, and he's three years older than me, and he didn't want to play with me. He was just wanted to read his book or do his homework or something. And I said, fine, whatever. You're going to read a book. I'll read a book, too. In fact, I'll read a book to you. And I picked up this like big book of fairy tales and opened to a random page and started reading to him. I guess I made air quotes, but you guys can't see. I was making it up because I was three and I couldn't read. And my <laughs> brother said, that's not what the book says. And I said, yeah, it is. And he said, no, it's not. You don't know how to read. And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, no, you don't. And I said, you don't know me. And I was so annoyed that my brother could read and I couldn't that that very day I made my parents and my aunt teach me how to read. So I learned to read at the ripe age of three, mostly out of spite because I hated that my brother could do something that I couldn't do. And I've I been love that ever since. <laughs> <laughs> so your cat that your catchphrase has got to be that then. Yeah, my catchphrase is "You don't know me." Awesome. Okay, so now you've found out a little bit about our unique weirdnesses. Shall we get on to the main part of the episode? Um, so this episode is about the pros and cons of being single in lockdown. We are both currently single. So we're first going to introduce our very first segment, a video call named Desire. Kayla. <laughs> so Go I'll, ahead. Just ex- I'll explain what this segment is since this is our first episode ever. So we're going to have this segment every week before our main discussion. And we are going to give a little update of the video dating, video calling that we've done over the past week. So I have a short and not so sweet story. I had a virtual date with a guy a few days ago set up early in the day around lunchtime, he texted me to confirm the time. I said, yes. The time arrived. I texted him to say, are you ready? Where should we do it? No response. Never didn't hear from him all night. So I thought, okay, whatever. At least I don't have to go anywhere. I'll just delete the number. And then a few days later, I get a text from him at midnight saying, sorry, I missed your call the other day, but I'm free now if you want to chat. Oh my god, it's like a virtual (laughs) booty call. Right? I didn't even know that that was a thing, but now I'm wondering, are virtual booty calls a thing? Are people sexting at midnight, random people they met on dating apps? Is this what life is like now? (laughs) Oh my god, I'm just not ready for this. I know. It's a whole new (laughs) level of virtual dating. (laughs) Totally. Oh my god. Well, I mean, actually, my pandemic dating has been going probably better for me than than normal dating has been in recent <laughs> months which is not what I was expecting mm-hmm. um so I'm kind of virtually dating two guys at the moment who actually weirdly I mean this shouldn't be weird but it is these days both <laughs> seem really nice <laughs> that is super weird <laughs> I know Um, The less than ideal part of this scenario is that this is actually happening from my mum's spare room, which is also my podcasting studio. (laughs) Um, So so my mum, basically, my mum's downstairs, I'm upstairs doing my virtual date, and when I come downstairs afterwards, she gives me the verdict based on how much I've been laughing. Um, She, like, says how well she thought the date went. (laughs) That's Um, cute. (laughs) But she, uh, she was also the one who told me I had to put 
some makeup on for my Zoom dates. She was like, you can't let your standards slip just because it's a pandemic. <laughs> so I disagree. I've definitely let my standards slip. I never get dressed or put on makeup for the Zoom <laughs> dates. I like, hopefully I've washed my hair within the past few days, but you don't know. But you're about to learn something that's going to blow your mind. Did you know that Zoom has a touch up your appearance filter and you can put it on and it kind of makes it look like you're wearing foundation so you don't actually have to put on makeup? Uh, no, I did not know that, but I will be using it from now on for sure. Okay, I'm going to teach you how to do it. And listeners, I'm going to like describe her reaction. We can also post this video, this part of the video later. Okay, okay. so click on Zoom, the Zoom menu, and go to Preferences. Actually, if you're on PC, I don't really know where it is, but go to Preferences. Under My Video, where it says, like, Enable HD Mirror My Video, click Touch Up My Appearance. Oh, my God, look at your skin. It's so smooth. <laughs> oh, MJ, <laughs> I look so much better. <laughs> I'm going to do this on every Zoom date from now on. Right. So for people listening from home, first of all, Ellie and I are both sitting in blanket forts that we made to bring you the best sound quality. So Ellie is currently sitting in a blanket fort laughing her ass off at how good her skin now looks. <laughs> this is the best thing ever. <laughs> So, a little pro tip for Ellie and for any of our listeners who did not know about that feature. And shout out to Kit Whalen from the Nomad in Spice podcast who told me that little trick. Thank you, Kit. All right. So, now that we've given our updates, we're going to move into our second segment called Gone with the Wi Fi. Love it. <laughs> We're very impressed with our own naming abilities. <laughs> <laughs> so this is usually where we'll be talking to our first guest, which will be a couple in lockdown or a single person dating in lockdown. But this week we have no guests. It's just us. And we're going to talk a little bit about how the quarantine dating ties into our regular lives, dating as a digital nomad, as well as the some of the pros and cons of being single and quarantine and our general outlook on dating and relationships yeah so i've got a few things about how nomad dating is probably quite similar to quarantine dating um in my experience it can just get intense really fast because you know the last couple of years I haven't been anywhere for longer than three months and often it's even shorter than that so you meet someone in one country and then you have a matter of weeks or even sometimes days to decide if this is like a relationship that you want to pursue um, and then if you do decide to you generally have to move to another country together when you've only known each other for like a couple of weeks. Um, and, that, and that's intense too, because you're probably traveling together, you're living together much more quickly than you would in real life, spending 24-7 together, discovering new countries together where you might not know anyone else or the language, both working at home a lot of the time. I mean, I do have an example. <laughs> Tell us. So... <laughs> So I was I was in Bali uh, last year. I'd I was planning to stay for a month, and I I'd had a bit of a dating glut before this. 
Um, does Glot mean none, or is Glot a lot? I would have thought a lot because of like gluttony, but I don't oh know. yeah, so the opposite of that. <laughs> I'd, I'd had like <laughs> dating famine for right. for months before this. Uh, because I'd been travelling around Sri Lanka really fast. So anyway, got to Bali, got on Tinder, met this guy after like a week, uh, ended up really liking him. We dated really intensely for the next three weeks, and then we were both leaving Bali. So I invited him to come along to Thailand, which is where I was going next. And, And he agreed, and he came, and we moved into a villa together after knowing each other for like three weeks. I mean, it didn't work out amazingly. <laughs> it turns out that actually we were probably meant to be friends rather than boyfriend and girlfriend. But also you kind of discover those things quicker. And now we're actually still really good friends. So it wasn't a completely um, sad ending. Yeah. And I think that because you're making these really big decisions and because you're choosing together to do something wild like meet in a different place or travel together that's something quite full on um, Mm. compared to a regular relationship I find that it can be easier to stay friends with people that you date as a nomad because if I was just living let's say in Barcelona and I went on three or four dates with someone and it didn't work I would probably never talk to them again (laughs) unless there was like some really good reason that we could be friends but I've also had some experiences where I became friends with people just because of the intensity of the relationship, even though it didn't work out in a romantic way. Yeah, totally. Like, I'm still really good friends with that guy, and he's probably the only ex that I'm that good friends with now. Very impressive. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I definitely agree with that, and I definitely, as a nomad, you do have to make, even as an expat, you do have to make those decisions much quicker. There can be visa issues if you want to be in the same place together, depending on where you're both from. So I think that's a very big thing. And I think we're going to start to see that in quarantine dating as well. If you've been dating somebody for a few months, but never actually met them in person, but you might want to move the relationship forward. Mm, Totally. Yeah. For me, another, another big similarity is just not having rules or not having a template for how the relationship should progress. And there's been a lot of amazing quarantine memes in general, but there's been a lot of memes on the topic of there's no rules in quarantine, like airport rules apply, wear sweatpants, drink during the day, no dating rules apply, like video chat five guys in one night, who cares, there's no rules. Like These are funny examples and obviously not super realistic for most people, but we don't have in nomad dating those templates for progression that you usually have. For example, most people dating will date somewhere around two to four or five months, and then they'll decide if they're going to be exclusive or have the defining the relationship talk of what are we? Are we boyfriend, girlfriend? How's this relationship going to work? And then usually around a one-year point, people start thinking about moving in together. And then around two or three years, people start talking about getting engaged and you have this slow progression where you're slowly merging your lives together and it's all more or less laid out for you obviously every relationship is different but you have this general template and with nomad relationships you don't have that at all and kind of the same as what you said Ali and that you do have to make these bigger decisions faster and move faster and you might be living together after your fourth date if you want to stay together 
you sometimes have to make this decision of, do we do this really intense thing together or do we never see each other again? And there's no in between. Exactly. I do think there is some positive side to having no traditional markers though, because I think in a way it's nice to just have that flexibility to build a relationship and potentially build a life together that just works for you too, that doesn't follow some traditional example of what things should be like. So I like that side of it. Yeah, and I think it is really nice to build it because I do think that there's a lot of things about traditional relationships that don't work. So I Mm. do think defining your own rules for the relationship and your own rules in the relationship is, yeah, it's a very big positive. Totally. And we do nothing traditional in this podcast. (laughs) No, we definitely don't. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit more about the pros and cons of being single in lockdown because at the moment quite sort of unusually neither of us is shacked up with someone that we've only just met so for now we're going to discuss what we're currently (laughs) experiencing which is being single in lockdown so yeah Kayla what do you reckon are some of the pros of that? So for me a big pro is being completely in charge of my own time I'm able to make my own schedule. I'm able to work when I want, for how long I want. I'm able to eat whenever I want. I'm able to eat whatever I want. So that time thing is really nice. And I sometimes do like to work at odd hours and I do can sometimes be quite intense. I might get up at eight and start my morning routine and not even look at my phone until 8 p.m. that night when I finish working. And at the same time, sometimes it's nice to have a day where I, you know, maybe it's Wednesday and I decide to just do nothing. And it's nice to not have anyone else that I need to take into account while doing that and try to fit into their schedule. So that's been really nice. Not having to fight about doing the dishes is a big one for me. I'm very bad at doing the dishes. So I'm usually on the the, uh, blame end of that. Not having to fight about what to watch on Netflix or your streaming service of choice or what you're going to do in your leisure time and just not getting overexposure to a partner. Even when I am in a relationship, I really like having alone time. And I think that being in this intense situation together where you literally cannot leave the house would be quite intense. Mm, yeah totally I agree with all of that I can watch as much of my South Korean drama as I want with no (laughs) one to judge me (laughs) one day when I'd had a zoom wine call with some friends the night before I literally spent all day on the sofa watching South Korean dramas it was amazing that sounds like a beautiful day (laughs) (laughs) but apart from that on a slightly more serious note I I, I agree with all the things you said, but I also think it's nice when you're on your own, you have, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people have been using lockdown for this to take some time to think about, you know, what's important and what's working and what's not working in life and in business, maybe diversifying, like doing this podcast. <laughs> um, and it's been nice to have time to do all of that stuff as well. Also, I got to try virtual dating, which actually, Mm. as mentioned, is kind of going okay so far. Yeah, that is going well. And I think another thing that I quite like is just the opposite of what your mom told you is just letting myself go physically, (laughs) completely. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't even I don't even know when I put on real clothes last. I just like to be comfy in my sweatpants. Sometimes I put on leggings to teach yoga or go for a run, but I've just quite enjoyed not having to worry <laughs> at <laughs> all about what I look like or what I'm wearing. It's been very freeing. Yeah, that has been awesome. I've basically just had like two outfits on rotation, like tracksuit yeah. bottoms and leggings. Is this what it's like to be a man all the time? Oh yeah, maybe. Male listeners, like write us and let us know. <laughs> okay, so I mean, yeah, being single in lockdown is pretty awesome, but there are a few negatives. So what, what do you think are the big ones? So kind of the flip side to what I said was the positive of being completely in charge of my own schedule, being completely alone because I'm also, I don't have any family or friends that I'm in lockdown with either. My day can lack structure and accountability that comes when you live with someone else. There's no one to tell me it's dinner time now, it's time to start working now, it's time to stop working now, uh, it's time to go for a walk or run. So there's, there's none of that accountability that comes when you're living with someone else. Um, as much as there's no one to fight about doing the dishes with, there's also nobody to help you do the dishes or take out the garbage or just help with that domestic labor. And I know there's a lot of people that have been talking about domestic and invisible labor over the last few years and how this mostly falls to women. Mm -hmm. And I realize anybody quarantined alone of any gender is facing this right now. Um, but I'm really feeling the weight of it, especially because in the last couple of years, just like Ellie, I've been traveling quicker and more nomadic and I'm not always cooking and I don't always have a kitchen. Uh, so just being in a space, eating all my meals here, doing everything here has just been a bit overwhelming. So it'd be nice to have somebody to help with that. Mm. Um, and then just the physical side, I think can be a challenge. So if you're dating people, not being able to explore those physical things, but also just not knowing like when I'll get to hug my friend again or my friends again or my family again. There's just absolutely no physical touch. Yeah, that's really tough. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the big one is loneliness and not having a partner to kind of share this crazy time with. And I do think loneliness is also a big issue in the sort of digital nomad world because it can be hard to meet people and make friends when you're moving around quickly. Uh, it's something I had a lot of trouble with, especially when I was first a nomad. Um, but honestly, I'm not really experiencing it that much in lockdown. I mean, I have my mum here, but, but I'm not even feeling lonely in terms of missing friends, just because I've put the effort in to become part of like what is an insanely awesome digital nomad community and I'm gonna use this as an opportunity to <laughs> shamelessly and seamlessly segue into our next conversation <laughs> topic which is that actually if you have a good community in your life friends and family then not having a significant other actually doesn't impact your quality of life that much at all mm -hmm. And before we get into that conversation, I just want to say that now I kind of wish that we had called this podcast Shameless or Shameless Segways because <laughs> I, I really liked that segue. Um, so yeah, we did 
we did a little bit of research for this podcast. Um, and I mean, this is also something that I have read about before and thinking about what I want for my life and what my goals are in terms of relationships and community and all of that. And what the relationship really shows is that single people are not all sad, lonely losers, number one, <laughs> um, but that, well, relationships and having that intimacy and that connection can be really important. R- romantic relationships don't actually necessarily impact you in a different way than having friends, having family that you're close with, and having a community that you're part of. And some of the research, and we'll have all these links to all these studies in the show notes, um, some of this research research shows that single people tend to put more time and focus on their other relationships, so friends and family and community, whereas married people tend to put more time into that relationship. So it's usually an equal amount of time that's focused on relationships. It's just where that energy is put. Yeah, and I found another study which we'll also put in the show notes from Berkeley, which was talking about a similar thing. It was saying that singles who pursue social interactions more proactively than couples do um, can bypass them in the happiness index. So even though the survey kind of showed that married people were happier on average than unmarried people, but the unmarried people who were who had lots of other social relationships were actually happier than the average married person Mm -hmm. and i think as well when we're talking about happiness and marriage and romantic partnerships there is a big gender divide and i think the gender gap in marital bliss is closing or in marital positive aspects is is starting to close with uh, gender equality but there are still big gaps and historically there are very big gaps. So historically and still today, if you are a married man, you're more likely to make more money, have more job opportunities and live longer. If you're a married woman, you're more likely to make less money, have less job opportunities and live not as long as your single female counterparts. So that's something that's really important to keep in mind. And I think that that ties back to that domestic and invisible labor that if you have any sort of traditional relationship and sometimes even if you think it's equal, it might not actually be. Women tend to do more of the caring and tend to make more career sacrifices than the married men do. So Mm -hmm. definitely the gender divide is important to keep in mind when looking into relationships and happiness because many studies have shown that historically marriage is really great for men and not so great for women. Yeah, and I think another thing about the the gender differences is, um, and I found this in another study, that for women, actually, it's the stigma about being single rather than the actual being single that leads some single women to feel less happy. So it said, um, despite the benefits of a single childless lifestyle for women, the existing narrative that marriage and children were signs of success meant that the stigma could lead some single women to feel unhappy. Yeah, and that actually reminds me of a term that I love that I came across uh, in one of the articles I was reading, and that's called matrimania. And that was coined by Professor Bella DiPaolo. And it's basically, as it sounds, people who are obsessed with 
marriage and don't think it's good to be single and think everybody should be reaching for that goal of marriage and that those beliefs can if they're prevalent in your culture can be harmful to single people even if the act of being single is not harmful in any way yeah totally that's crazy I love that word though I know it's such a good um, <laughs> But I do, I think that the point kind of goes beyond dating as well to lifestyle. So when you're not, uh, when you're doing anything that isn't really considered the norm or conventional, you have another challenge to deal with, which is kind of other people's expectations of what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like my family and friends are now pretty used to me doing my own thing, (laughs) but... (laughs) but in the past I have had questions like how are you going to find a boyfriend if you're constantly traveling and changing locations how are you going to be successful at work when you don't have a proper job and you know all that sort of thing and I think Mm -hmm. I mean our point with this podcast is that um, hopefully you can do all of that and it might not look like the conventional version of success but it can still be your version Yeah, exactly. And I think that in both our lives, being digital nomads, we've had to shed a lot of these conventions and we've seen in our work life and in our home life how awesome it can be to shed those conventions and follow what you want. And I think that, or we hope that, the same applies with relationships as well. Yeah, I think there's hope. I mean, we've (laughs) met a lot of people in our community that have found love while they're doing this sort of thing haven't we we have and i think in episode four don't hold me accountable because they're not all finished yet but i think in episode four we're going to be exploring that topic a bit more in depth and have some really cool guests to come and talk about their unconventional love stories yeah but for now we're pretty happy being single i mean honestly i don't know about you but i would say that this last two years of nomading and being single have probably been the best years ever. Yeah, I would say the same too. I mean, I've been a nomad for almost eight years, but I think in the last couple of years, just career-wise, things are going really great. I love my friends. I love my community. I've become much more immersed in the nomad community and the writing community, and it has been really magical. And the last little bit I want to share here is that from Elizabeth Gilbert's book on marriage called Committed. She really explores all of these questions of is marriage good for your life or bad for your life, especially as a woman? And one of the studies she found showed that whether you were married didn't actually impact your end-of-life happiness, but the things that did impact your end-of-life happiness were health, being healthy, and having money. So especially for ladies, if you're going to ask yourself, would I rather be rich or married? You would rather be rich. (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) And Elizabeth Gilbert just knows everything. So I just trust everything she says. It's true. She's very wise. Although I have to admit that when I was reading Committed, all I could think about was Javier Bardem. (laughs) (laughs) That's also who I picture whenever I think of her partner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So I think that draws us to the end of our Gone with the Wi-Fi discussion, which means that we can move on to our next extremely punnily named segment, The Scarlet Text. So 
Michaela, do you have a reading recommendation for us all this week? Yeah, so every week we're going to, in the Scarlet Text, share a reading recommendation, and it might be a book or an article or a short story or a poem or anything. This week, it's an article, and it's an article from Vogue, which I think is about a year old, and it's an interview with Emma Watson on fame and activism. Maybe it's not quite a year old, because I think it was in part of the um, release of Little Woman just before Little Woman came out, which was only a few months ago. Anyways, it's Emma Watson on fame and activism, and this is her big article where she used the terms that she is self-partnered and not single. I actually hate the term self-partnered, but I do love Emma Watson, and the most exciting thing I found out in this article is that she identifies as a nomad and has no fixed address and lives between the UK and the US, I guess going where the jobs are and where the activism opportunities or needs are. So that was very exciting that Emma Watson identified as a nomad. And she Yeah, just... I had no idea. <laughs> right? It's so exciting. <laughs> Um, and I just really like this article because she talks about approaching 30 and how she, you know, Emma Watson is obviously one of the most successful 30-year-old women in the world. And she talks about approaching 30 and how she thought she had shed all of these expectations of society, but she actually hadn't. And she did start to feel as she was getting close to that 30 of like, oh, no, I should be married and having kids and all of those things that I think many of us around that age feel. And so she talks a little bit about her process of unlearning those expectations and finding things that work for her. And she is dating, if you're wondering, but nobody specifically just seeing what's out there. That sounds awesome. It is. I'm definitely going to read that. And she also said that, like, she can't go on the apps, obviously, because she's Emma Watson, but her friends are really good at setting her up. So I just want to send a little note to all my friends listening. Uh, What you guys doing? You're falling behind. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of setups, we made a promise at the beginning of this episode to finish telling a story. And the beginning of the story is that one of us, Ellie, flew 6,000 miles to get ghosted. And this was a man who she had been set up by her friends. So I guess at least my friends haven't set me up with someone that ghosted me after I flew across the world to see them. But yeah, Ellie, it could this, be worse. It could be worse. So friends, set me up with someone good, not someone who's going to ghost me. Um, but Ellie, it is time for you to share your story. Yeah, I was hoping you were going to forget about that. <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> okay, I'll get you back next week. So, yeah, this was probably the low point of my dating life. I I was set up with a guy who was a friend of a friend while I was in the UK in summer 2018. I was kind of nomading around the UK, met him in London, and he came to visit me at various points around the UK. It was all really lovely. And then I was going off to Southeast Asia. So... I obviously didn't have any expectations that he would come and see me out there because that would be pretty extreme. But he did. He flew all the way to Thailand to see me, booked this amazing pool villa for a week. We had this super intense week together. 
and then he said he invited me to come back to the UK and spend some time with him over Christmas and New Year. And I was like, well, I don't really have any plans. It'd be kind of nice to go and be near my family for Christmas and New Christmas and New Year anyway. So I thought, yeah, I could do that. But the main reason that I was going was to see him. So I booked my flight, flew 6,000 miles, arrived in the UK and literally never heard from him again. Oh my God. That's crazy. Was he from the UK? Yeah. Oh my God. You should have found out his address and like knocked on his door. <laughs> JK, JK, <laughs> don't do that. That's called stalking. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. I mean, now I can look back on it and laugh, but at the time, oh my yeah. God. And I guess on the bright side, at least you're from the UK, so you could still visit with family and friends and stuff, but still. Yeah, not That's cool. A, so yeah, not cool at all. Ghosting, guys, is not cool for any gender to do. I 100% understand the desire to do it because I'm a coward and ghosting is a very cowardly thing to do, but if you're over the age of 20, you cannot use that excuse anymore. You have to be an adult and have an adult conversation if there's someone you don't want to see anymore. Exactly. All right. Well, that concludes our first episode. Next week, we'll be talking to a couple who were dating long distance for a few months, never got to see each other, and now they spend every waking moment at each other's side. And we'll get advice from experienced nomads who have been spending practically 24-7 together for 10 years. If you have a wild dating story to send us, either from lockdown, from your nomad life, or something that you think applies, send us an email to datingabroadnomads at gmail.com, or we'll also put a link to a couple surveys that you can fill out in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Um, you can become a patron on Patreon or leave a review if you liked it. Our website is patreon.com forward slash dating abroad. We're also on Instagram, dating underscore a underscore broad. Music is by Lee Trung and you can find her website, leetrung.bandcamp.com. And the logo is by the lovely Samina, who is on Instagram at Samina Scribbles. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>